at one stage I felt like I was moving away from the essence of photography to learn photography as an art. I was busy turning into a gear off. I was buying all the gear, expensive stuff, and I wasn't making really any progress. So then one day I just decided I'm going to sell all my Nikon stuff and I'm going to buy this Fuji X100V and basically start from the beginning, learn all there is to learn about composure, learn all that there is to learn about lighting. And once I have those basics in place, then maybe I'll start investing in a more expensive gear. I might go back to Nikon one day, but not at this stage. Welcome to the Beginner Photography Podcast brought to you by CloudSpot. Guess what, my photo friends? It is time for another Community Spotlight interview. This is where I interview you, a member of the Beginner Photography Podcast community, to learn why you got into photography, what you're struggling with right now, how you overcame it, and how you see the world. Today, we are chatting with Adrian Kugamud. I hope that I pronounced that right. Adrian has been in the group for a while now, and I noticed that he had a really good uh, eye for what it was that he was capturing. And he was asking great questions in the group as well that clearly demonstrated that he was hungry to really learn as much as he could, but without skipping any steps. It was a very systematic approach to learning photography. So I reached out to Adrian to see if I could learn more, and this is that interview. And I'll tell you what, it did not disappoint. I know that you're going to enjoy it. So with that, let's go ahead and get on into today's Community Spotlight interview with Adrian Kukamud. Adrian, my first question for you is really simple. I just want to know, who are you and what do you do? Okay, uh, yeah. My name is uh, Adrian Kukamur. I'm from South Africa. Um, I'm in environmental health and safety, um, specializing in environmental management. So yeah, I've got a passion for the environment, looking after it and all facets from wildlife management all the way through to air quality, waste control, all that. I guess uh, suddenly it makes a whole lot more sense why we see so many photos from you of birds because you're outside and you like looking at birds. So tell me, how did um, photography come into your life? Yeah, growing up, um, photography wasn't really a big part of my life. Um, as I say, I took some holiday pictures. My parents used to have an old Kodak uh, uh, point-and-shoot camera. Later on, they bought bought a, a Shannon uh, camera, which was, which was a little bit more fancy, a little bit more uh, control. Um, but ever since I was a child, I had this fantasy of one day owning a camera, a property. Uh, back then it was still the phone camera, SLR cameras. And I, um, when we went to the malls here in South Africa, I would always look in amazement at the cameras through the shop window. But unfortunately, um, it was never really an option for, for me. Um, yeah, and when I got to the point in my life that I could actually afford what camera, I, uh, I, I took the dive and I bought a camera for myself. The first camera was the Nikon D5000, the kit lens. So, um, I'm sorry, go on. I get excited sometimes. Yeah, um, as far as um, when I was a child, I used to watch the nature programs a lot. I used to, uh, to back in the day, we used to have uh, VHS machines 
I recorded that on video cassettes and I used to watch the documentaries over and over. Um, there, that's where my love for nature originated from. Um, and yeah, growing up, I had heroes like, uh, I don't know if you know him, uh, Daryl Balfour from South Africa, mm -mm, okay. uh, wildlife photographer. Yeah. Okay, so, so yeah, that's when I, I'm always interested in that why in photography, right? So as you were a kid, you had that point and shoot that you were taking photos on, on vacation. Why was that not enough for you? Why was it that you wanted to invest in a, a proper camera, a real camera? What was it about that that, uh, that, that you wanted most? Um, for me, it was about, I wanted to see, take the things that I saw in nature and how I saw it. And I have the ability to show it to someone else, capture that moment that I experienced in nature and um, share it with other people. So when you um, finally got that camera, right, when you, you saved up, you got the Nikon, you said the D5000, um, that's no. a big jump from just a regular point-and-shoot camera. What was what was the hardest part of, of, of picking it up? Yeah, look, at first I started like everyone else on auto mode. Um, then um, I really made, uh, sorry about that, <laughs> um, I really made... Uh, some network and got myself involved in classes um, to, to, to learn to get out of off of uh, auto mode, you know, go through the roads, um, aperture priority, shutter speed priority. Um, but yeah, I think the hardest thing, not, not necessarily the technical stuff, but more on the creative side. Um, Anyone can take a picture of a lion, but it really needs some insight and uh, imagination to take a really good picture of a lion that tells a story. How did you find how to um, do that? Yeah, at the, in the beginning, it was basically, um, like, I like to call it this copy-pasting. You see something nice in a magazine and you try to recreate it yourself. Mm -hmm. It's not always successful, but sometimes you get lucky and you get a nice picture. So obviously, you know, I don't have lions here in uh, in little Indiana here in the Midwest. Um, but when you go out, um, was the goal to still photograph those things that uh, that you loved, or is there a goal to take photography farther for you at this moment? At this moment, uh, my gears changed a little bit. I used to be all into wildlife photography, per se animals and birds. Um, these days I'm more into, uh, I don't want to really call it fine art, but I like uh, flowers these days because flowers are everywhere. I don't have to drive 250 kilometers to a game park um, and pay an absorbent amount of money um, to get the opportunity to maybe see a lion to take a photo of. So, yeah. What is it about flowers um, that you love? Um, the first thing that springs to mind when I think about flowers are the colors. I'm, I like color. So, um, and also I grew up in a household that uh, my, both my mother and father were avid uh, gardeners. I grew up doing a lot of gardening. So it's something that's kind of in my blood. I, 
I um, really appreciate the effort that goes into planting flowers and the beauty that results from, from that effort. So when you can take out a, you know, cell phone here and we can go and we can take, you know, relatively beautiful photos of flowers with how, you know, sm they have a small sensor. It's almost perfect for macro photography, right? Getting real close. Yeah. What is it about, you know, shooting that with, with your, now your Fuji cameras? I know that you switched, to, I don't know if you switched away from Nikon, but I know that now you got some Fuji cameras. Um, what is it about shooting uh, with your, your real kit that, that you can achieve with those photos that you can't with a, with a phone? Yeah, um, the phone has its lim limitations in terms of what you can do after you took the image. Um, DSLRs these days, if you capture something in RAW, you have a canvas that you can start working off from. You can start adding or subtracting stuff. You can maybe uh, saturate the red a little bit or the blue, really bring that to the forefront. You can try and uh, uh, desaturate the background so that the, 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 the object of interest becomes more comes to the forefront. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, yeah, you can do some stuff with um, your iPhone on, or your Samsung device and uh, something like Snapseed, but I don't think really to the to the to the degree that you can do it with a proper twenty-four megapixel camera and. Uh, and the high quality uh, desktop PC or a laptop. So you do a lot of um, editing of your images? Um, I try to limit it to Lightroom. Um, I used to do a lot of Photoshop, but these days I try to limit it to Lightroom. Sometimes I'll um, export it to my phone and do a little bit of Snapseed afterward. And um, because there's some stuff on Snapseed that uh, you can do, uh, like, for instance, um, the ambiance or the, the, what's the other one. It just adds a little bit of warmth or depth to the picture after it exported it from uh, Lightroom. Hey, Raymond here. If you're sometimes baffled by which camera settings to use, then I've got just the thing for you. My free guide, Picture Perfect Camera Settings. It's a fantastic starting point for anybody eager to understand the basics of camera settings in various shooting scenarios. And it's tailored to beginners who want to get out of auto mode, providing clear, easy to follow suggestions on where to start with your settings. So whether you're capturing a stunning landscape or a family portrait, Picture Perfect Camera Settings will help you to get off of automatic mode and explore the possibilities your camera offers. Remember, mastering photography settings is a journey, and this guide is your first step. And the perfect resource to guide you towards finding the right settings for your style. So grab your copy today at perfectcamerasettings.com and start your journey to better photos. Um, I don't really use a lot of uh, Snapseed, but I remember there for a while uh, when I was. It is a very robust um option to edit photos if you're if you're just on your phone so that's a uh, that's a great thing right there i'd never heard of the uh um obviously like i know that it does a lot of like enhancements and stuff like that and that is very cool um so when you bring in photos into you know say lightroom or whatever what are those what are those first few things that you are looking to do to uh to your photos of these beautiful flowers um yeah to look at 
the first thing I do is I apply uh, a profile. Um, I've subscribed to a number of sites that you can download um, Lightroom profiles from, from or presets rather. Um, and then the second thing I'll do is uh, fiddle with the color and the, the temperature. And then only then I move um, over to, to um, the, the light, the exposure, the whites, the blacks, the shadows, highlights. Um, yeah, and that's basically it. Sometimes I do a little bit of masking and then I export it. Yeah, not a lot of uh, post edit. Are you looking to make your photos uh, as natural as you saw it in person or are you trying to make it more, more stylized? Um, I try to go for realism, but sometimes uh, you might have missed something during the whole exposure phase. And um, then you need to, for instance, sometimes the rays are a little bit dull and then you need to play with the hue saturation and luminosity a little bit to, um, to really make the red pop or the blue uh, come to life. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but as close to realism as possible. Sometimes I like to go black and white, um, but then the, the subject must really lend itself to, to the black and white photo. Mm -hmm. I forgot to ask, this is usually something that I asked here in the beginning, but um, how long ago was it that you picked up your, your D5000? How long ago? Um, yeah, I bought a D5000 in 2012, 2012. Had you been um, like pretty focused on learning photography since you picked it up? Yes, but I go through um, peaks and valleys in terms of photography. Um, I'll do it seriously for two years and then it will be in the cupboard for six months and then I'll pick it up again. But I must say up until recently, I've been pretty... Um, diligent with my photography. Um, yeah, so it's only now that I, um, I'm busy packing my stuff, moving to England that I don't really get around to it, which is a pity because you start losing your, your, your skills that you built up. It's uh, photography is a skill-based activity. Yeah, why do you think most recently you've taken a more serious um, attempt or you know, try at photography. Like, why is it right now that it's uh, um, uh, sticking with you more than it has before? Look, I've had serious aspirations to start a, a website, maybe do some prints, or get to the point that I will be able to do that. Um, so yeah, the only way that I can reach that point is through daily practice. Mm. Uh, I mean, a, a good golf player like. Gary Player didn't go to the golf course once a week and won the number of championships that you, you need to practice every day. So that's why I picked up the camera more. I even made it a point to travel with the X1, Fujifilm X100 uh, in my bag, mm -hmm. the, the latest compact from them. Um, just to when I see something, the camera is, camera is there and I can and make an exposure yeah the x100v is a uh, phenomenal camera i i recently sold mine and i'm pretty upset about it actually but um what was it that um 
I guess, tell me about a, a time where just simply having your camera on you led to you getting a, uh, a photo that maybe you're proud of today. Has that happened yet? Uh, um, I need to think now a little bit. Um, I think one of the latest instances of that would be, would be when I went, um, I'm part of a pretty big church group. Um, we went to uh, a local dam here, or I think you guys would call it a lake, okay. do some carp angling. And um, there's a picture that I haven't really gotten around to, to, to publish yet or to, to showcase yet, um, because it features people. Um, it's at, at, right at sunset, and everyone is having fun, and this little girl picking up stuff along the, the edge of the water. And I think if my, I didn't have the camera handy, I wouldn't have been able to make that, um, that shot. Um, it's a really nice uh, silhouette type picture. What about in times where, um, no, I guess let me ask this question. Does grabbing that shot give you more um, fuel to, to keep going? Like when you get a shot that you're really proud of that maybe you obviously weren't planning a photo like that. It's hard to plan a photo like that. But when you get a shot like that, does that get you more excited, or do you feel like do you feel like uh, your technical knowledge is still uh, trying to keep up? Does that question make sense? Yes, it does. Um, it wasn't actually that long ago that I started photographing people per se, more from a I don't really know if you can call it street photography, but more candidates of people I don't know. Um, and ever since those first pictures and this picture that I'm speaking of, um, I was quite surprised to the, the level that my, my skills increased. And I actually went, ah, this isn't a half bad photo. It definitely puts fire, fire, uh, fuel to the fire to, to try and improve even further. Right. And maybe try even more photos containing people, even if it is ones that I don't know. So for you, is that, are you going to try to shoot more silhouettes? Or are you going to, what is it that you're going to focus on and try to capture more of after, you know, capturing a photo like that? Well, I actually um, just uh, realized not very long ago that I quite liking, like taking pictures of friends and family while we're out fishing. So that is one option that I'm considering. And um, so, um, yeah, uh, I think silhouettes may be a little bit more. Um, I'm not really into portrait photography per se, but I, I, I like a little bit of a human element in, in the picture because it just conveys that this is nature and people are living there as well. And I think that's where the, my whole thing about being in, an, in environmental management comes from because it's interaction between humans and and nature at the end of the day and the environment it's not not just managing environment you're managing the humans in the environment so i think yeah that's really interesting i love how you're you know taking these things that you love and 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 putting them together um so when it comes to photographing people um you know you're not 
well versed in it. You're not, uh, you know, a professional. You are starting to add in that element of uh, people into your photos. Um, I guess I want to know, like, where does that? Do you feel like from your perspective that you're still trying to find your voice in photography or do you have a general idea of where you want it to go and you just have to go deeper? Um, I used to think I, I didn't have an idea of where to go, but I, these days I, I'm, put, I'm narrowing it down. I don't really have a, a niche yet, but I think I'm getting there. Um, I'll take basically a photo of everything, anything that's that's nice and that is nice to look at and that's beautiful and there's something to do with nature. Um, but yeah, on the other hand, I'll also walk on the, in the plant where I work at the factory and maybe see some interesting leading lines or um, people interacting at the, while they're busy constructing something and I'll just snap a picture of that. And I mean, that was also, it also attracts my attention. Yeah, of course. There are two ways to bring home more money with your photography business. You either get more clients or you spend less of the money that you make. CloudSpot Studio helps you keep more of what you earn. With the lowest payment processing fees in the industry, the average photographer will save $300 annually. And that's just more money to invest in essential gear like a new flash or a sweet camera bag. You know, one that is perfect for storing all of the wedding day snacks that you can pack. But it's not just about savings. CloudSpot Studio is designed to streamline your workflow. Easily organize shoots, send contracts, questionnaires, invoices, and you're really going to enjoy the hassle-free payments. So sign up for a free CloudSpot account at deliverphotos.com and... As a bonus, you're going to get access to my exclusive wedding and portrait contracts and questionnaires at no additional cost. Why let fees chip away at your profits? Empower your photo journey with CloudSpot and watch your business soar. I totally understand that. Uh, it's difficult, I think, when having this idea that you like have to have this niche, which we've talked about before, there's so many photographers who are, you know, say, no, you don't need that at all. And then there's a lot of photographers who say that, you know, to find success, you have to niche down. And, you know, I would imagine that that would be really confusing messages, you know, to figure out what it is uh, that you want to shoot. But I think, you know, my question was probably a pretty poorly asked question. Because um, looking at your photos and just hearing you talk, it seems like you know, the overall element, things that you love is um, nature. It's being outdoors. It's, as you said, it's this relationship, I think, between um, human and nature that um, just exploring that deeper is really going to, I think that's broad enough that that can cover a lot of different aspects of photography, but still give mm -hmm. you a direction in which to, to follow in your, uh, in your photos. What is it Absolutely. that right now you feel like you're struggling with the most? Currently, um, I'm really struggling with the time to find, <laughs> to find time to do to, to photography. Um, yeah, working a nine to, or in my case, an half past seven to five o'clock job, sometimes over weekends you have a standby. Um, don't always have the time to get to the thing that you, you enjoy. Um, so yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons that 
photography for me hasn't really evolved past the, the hobbyist stage into more like an, an amateur or an amateur professional uh, stage. Um, just basically that I can't find the dedicated time to say like for the next three, four hours, I'm solely going to focus on photography. Yeah, I bet um, that's even more difficult when you're packing up everything that you own to move to a different country. So I, I totally absolutely. understand that. Yeah. Uh, have you felt that maybe the X100V could help you in that situation? By Is it possible to carry it uh, to more places with you? Yeah, I take that thing everywhere. Um, for instance, where I work, there's anything from major excavations at the mining site all the way to people doing bush clearing so there are a lot of opportunities and i mean that x100v is so compact i can slip it into my jean pocket and basically take it anywhere i go so yeah the the, the opportunities are there the other thing is um and i don't know what the situation is like in america because i don't really know the american geography or topography or whatever you want to call it um but where i'm from if you don't if you miss the it's called it around nine o'clock in the morning mark and you didn't make any pictures then you can just put well put the camera away because the light here is so harsh the african sun as mm. they say um isn't really conducive to good lighting condition except if you maybe can get into some shade or under some trees or but yeah um, then again the soil is so bare that you also get that radiation from from below that um, is also a big factor in terms of wildlife photography. Mm. Um, that's why the guys uh, in wildlife photography stick to the golden hours most of the time. Because you can't take a good picture over 100 or 200 meters um, during the hottest part of the day. Um, oh, I never reason thought for that. The reason for that being is that um, this, uh, I think they call it refraction mm -hmm. in the light. And that kind of makes the the, the, the picture look like a, a water uh, water based paint painting or whatever. If you, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, we call those uh, just I don't know heat lines, I guess. Like yeah, it, radiation. Yeah, makes makes everything so, look soft and soggy. Doesn't look nice. So yeah. So yeah. Uh, time and environment is a big role in, in when I can do my photography. Um, so yeah, I think that's the biggest obstacle. Are you hoping that when you move, there's more opportunities to be able to shoot, especially with a weather sealed X100V? You know, England. Uh, I know that it is quite wet, but uh, you should still be able to shoot quite a bit. Yeah, and um, it looks like it's quite cloudy as well. You, if it's a cloudy day and it's overcast day, you can basically shoot right through the day. Yeah, yeah. You just need to pick your pick your subject. Let's talk about your move from um, Nikon to Fuji. Why did you Why did you decide to purchase a Fuji camera? At one stage, I felt like I was moving away from the essence of photography for me at this stage, and that is to learn photography as an art. I was busy turning into uh, a gear hawk. I was buying all the gear, expensive stuff, and I wasn't making really any progress. Mm -hmm. 
So then one day I just decided I'm going to sell all my Nikon stuff and I'm going to buy this Fuji X100V and basically start from the beginning, learn all there is to learn about composure, learn all that there is to learn about lighting. And once I have those basics in place, then maybe I'll start investing in a more expensive gear. I might go back to Nikon one day, but not at this stage. So have, does that mean that you have found right now what it was that you were looking for just by shooting Fuji? Yes, more or less. Um, I think now I'm all focused on composition and, uh, and lighting than I was before. Um, I mean, it's nice if you have a 500 milliliter lens of course. on your Nikon. You can uh, take a picture of a lion from a very far distance away, and then you can crop it in post. But now, for instance, you have a, a flower. The flower looks nice, but now you need to wait for the right time of day. You need to think about composition, but just in a smaller scale. I mean, leading lines, abstracts, uh, S curves, all those things still apply. So it, it forces you to focus more on the on the the art side of photography rather than the tech side. Um, let's see. Sorry, I wanted to write that down because that was uh, that was good. It focuses you to or it makes you focus more on the artistic side. I like that a lot. Um, when it comes to those compositions, you said that you are focusing on um, more now, focusing on composition and light. If you look back at some of your earliest photos, where do you think it was lacking most in terms of composition? Or I guess, how do you, how do you feel like you've progressed most through composition to where you are today? I don't know if that was a good question or a terrible question. I'm going to hope that you can pull something out of that. Yeah, like I said, um, it was easy to to to, to take a, a picture of a let's step away from the, the example of a lion and use a giraffe this time um, to put that giraffe on the on the rule of thirds, uh, head on in the one third, body in the rest, create some negative space, positive space, all that um, in post. Now you actually have to walk closer or further away to get the composition that you want. So in terms of thinking before you push the shutter button, um, that that was the big uh, improvement for me. Is just thinking about the picture before you actually... Do you think that before you just weren't thinking about the photo before you took it, or where was that biggest disconnect? Yeah, I think, like I said, um, the, the biggest issue was that you, you started to over-rely on the gear. You started to think more about the tech than the actual art. Um, you started to rely on the tech to make the picture. You didn't trust yourself. You didn't make the decision. You didn't pre-plan before you before you made the picture. And I think that that is the big paradigm shift that happened for me from switching from Nikon to, to Fujifilm. Where, like, where does that idea even come into your ecosystem? Because I know that there are plenty of people who are more than happy to just have, you know, um, for all intents and purposes, great gear, you know, and that is that is enough for them. Where where did you think that your photos were lacking that made you think, I have to dig deeper. I have to find the artistic side of photography and explore that. Yeah, it actually came um, by the way of uh, classical Dutch painting and artists 
Um, I started gaining an interest in, in my heritage because I'm Dutch. Um, I'm from the Dutch background. Started looking at guys like Vermeer. Um, and Oh, lost you. Lost the audio. Oh, there you are. I saw that these guys were following certain rules and that the rules were uh, kind of constant. Like you, Then I started looking into stuff like root angle, uh, root squares, uh, the golden uh, triangle or circle, whatever you want to call it, um, the Fibonacci sequence, how that applies to art. So I started developing an interest in that. And I said, okay, if I want to study that, or I really want to make a study of that, then I maybe need to downscale on the equipment and focus on, on that first. So yeah, that's basically when the, the mind shift came. Do you feel like you had to relearn everything in photography and just start over? Or did you feel like it was more of a, just a course correction? Yeah, I think it was more of a course correction. Um, I mean, uh, the, the, the exposure triangle remains the exposure triangle. Um, aperture priority and shutter speed priority remains the same thing. It's just that your, your, your perspective changes a little bit from the technical side to the, to the more artistic focus solely on art side. Wait for the right lighting. Don't, don't press the shutter just to get the picture. If you miss the shot, so what? There's always a next time. That's a, that's a big lesson right there to learn is if you miss the shot, who cares? There's always next time. And for most cases, I would say that that's absolutely true. And unfortunately, we put so much weight on ourselves to capture that one photo and make sure that we get it. But uh, as you said, you know, there will be a next time. Uh, this no, is a... I know, I know for guys like yourself... Um... It's not always the case, you being in into wedding photography. I mean, yes and no. Like, there's the kiss, <laughs> you know, technically. But you can always stage that. And I think that I think that there's a lot more weight to wedding photography than what uh, is actually there in practice. Um, I think once you understand the cadence of a wedding, and you can kind of prepare, right? You have to ask a couple, give me a timeline for the day. So you know what's coming up. Um, and then you just react, and that's, that's that. And if you miss it, then... You can either ask them to do it again or just be okay with missing it. But you're gonna miss you're gonna miss a lot of photos. Uh, so this right here is a hypothetical question. But imagine a hundred years from now, all of your photos are found in some sort of I don't know cloud hard drive, you know whatever it is, right? And people are looking at these photos. What do you want people to feel when looking at your photos? That is that is kind of a, a tough question <laughs> to answer. Um, at this point in time, I would say that if, if I'm lucky enough that someone finds my photos 100 years from now, and the the way the world is going currently, is maybe they can just have a, a little bit of a, a look back on what the world used to be in terms of because I mean at this rate we are peeling off the environment that at an exponential rate, and maybe a little bit of a remembrance of um, the wild places that used to be, that were, um, I don't know, maybe in a hundred years we're living in, on earth and everything will be city all over the place. So 
you don't know. So maybe just a little bit of the, of the, of the memoir of the years that used to be, if I could call it. <laughs> wow, that's deep. N having that idea, does that change the way that you photograph things now? Like, do you make it a point to photograph, um, I don't know, uh, tide pools and, t I don't know, you, you'd be the expert here. Like, is there things that you photograph now that you only imagine in 100 years we're not going to have? Yeah, um, I very much like to, to, to photograph something like the, the polar ice caps before they're gone, specifically for that reason. Um, I mean, even in the area that I lived, 10 years ago, it was lush and green. And with desert, desertification, now um, it's turning into a desert. So even if I could take the pictures 10 years back and show them to people today, they, they, I don't think they will believe that the area that we live in is, was, was so green. Mm. So yeah, um, there are a number of things. And I think it's difficult to just uh, stick it to one specific element. Um, because, I mean, nature is so vast. Um, but at least if I can maybe show 1% of the place that I find myself into future generations, then that will be a win for me. Yeah. Wow. I um, I don't do anything on that sort of scale. Obviously, polar ice caps, that's insane. But um, as I was growing up, I, I think my favorite thing about looking at old photos, either from my parents or my grandparents, was looking at clothes cars and like products right like you know stuff yeah. from the store but products that were maybe like still around today coca-cola cheese it's you know things like that just regular everyday items um so today i always make it a point whenever i have my camera on me to photograph things like that that i just see out in public whether it be you know interesting clothes you know a car because car design changes quick and then also products as well and then i keep it in i guess kind of like a time capsule type folder within Lightroom um, that I hope that I cannot tell you how excited I am to look at, you know, 10, 20 years from now uh, and just see how, how things are different. Obviously, in your case, it would not be, I'm excited to see how these photos have changed in the future. It'd be the exact opposite. But um, there is a lot to be said for, you know, still documenting those things to see how they change because, you know, it helps, it helps so many bring awareness uh, to a lot of these things that are happening. So I would encourage you to, to keep doing that for sure. Uh, I want to switch gears and ask, because I know that you've been in the group, um, not, you know, incredibly long, but you've been in the group long enough to be an active member, to ask questions, to share photos. Uh, how did you find the beginner photography podcast community? No, I find you found you guys through Spotify. <laughs> I was actually traveling somewhere and I was looking for a, a, a photography specific podcast to listen to. And I happened on the beginner photography podcast and I just started listening from episode one and I um, really liked what you had to say. And um, I must say, um, yeah, that this, I found you guys on Spotify and um, some of the interviews you had I know um, I can't think of any specific names right now, but you spoke to some wildlife photographers in the past episodes that I really enjoyed. Um, I mean, I really listened to that uh, from our conversation about earlier about the creative process uh, of Mark Silver that you had. Yes. Um, yeah. So I found you through Spotify, and that's just um, I 
uh, took it from there. So from so there, really you heard about the Facebook. No, no, and now these days I can't wait for a new episode to arrive. <laughs> well, there was one yesterday, and we got another one next Tuesday, as always, for sure. Um, let me ask: Having listened to so many episodes of the podcast, do you have a a biggest takeaway? Like, what was a lesson that you have implemented into your photography? Yeah, um, one of the things, and I'm going to come back to create creative or being creative again, is that it's good to to follow a creative process. It's good to look at um, what the professionals did in the past, but it's also important to find your own um, your own style, to find your own way of looking and doing things. Because I mean, there's only one you. You're an individual, and it's important that you express your individualism through your photography. Because mm -hmm. I mean, it will be pretty boring if everyone's pictures start looking the same. Um, and I think that's why it's so important to, to grab and hold on to your individual style or stylistic impression on, on photography. Can you give me an example of how, how that has influenced the photo that you've taken? Yeah, in the past, let's take a simple example of taking a picture of a flower. In the past, I would have taken a picture of a flower and it would have looked like any book on flowers, basic, a basic record of that flower. And through things like Instagram and looking at uh, the older generations uh, or previous generations' grades, um, you start to see how they kind of put emotion into a flower that I didn't think was possible. And um, then you start applying those techniques and you learn from them. But at some stage, you start breaking away from them and say, but what if I do this rather than that? And then sometimes the results are good and other times the results aren't that great. Yeah, that happens all the time. Man, I cannot tell you how many times I've been really excited for a photo. And I go out to try it, and it just falls totally flat, <laughs> you know, on my face, and it doesn't work. Um, but there's always something, you know, that you can pull out of it and readjust for next time. So I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, Adrian, we are at the end of our interview here. Uh, I have uh, one last question for you, and that is – I know that listeners are going to want to know more about you. They're going to want to see some of your photos. Obviously, we can find you in the group. Where else can we follow you along on your photo journey? Yeah, so currently, I'm only on Facebook. And then I'm on uh, Instagram as Adrian uh, underscore Kukumur underscore photography. Perfect. I will go ahead and obviously put links in these show notes as well um, so that listeners can find it if they're driving the car or if they are at the gym. Um, Adrian, again, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate um, you know you being a part of the group, uh, sharing your lessons that you've learned, your photos, um, and being sure to ask questions because I think that questions are, you know, they not only help you, but they help other people as well because if you're wondering something, I guarantee others are as well. So again, I just wanted to publicly say uh, thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Remember, this Community Spotlight series is all about you and the supportive beginner photography podcast community. If you want to be a part of this supportive community, we would love to have you. Just search Facebook for Beginner Photography Podcast or click the link on the homepage at beginnerphotographypodcast.com to join the safest place on the internet for new photographers today. 
Again, thank you so much for listening. And remember, the more that you shoot today, the better of a photographer you will be tomorrow. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Beginner Photography Podcast. If you enjoy the show, consider leaving a review in iTunes. Keep shooting, and we'll see you next week.